jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! Anthony, I have to tell you... Oh? My upfront business this week <laughs> yeah is hot and tingling yeah you're you experiencing <laughs> a burning sensation in your yes. fronts yes <laughs> can you please direct me towards the unguents aisle yeah we need to get you some unguents salves and poultices <laughs> please a cream please <laughs> Some, some kind of topical treatment, it seems. <laughs> what What is afflicting thy um, <laughs> Tinder upfronts? Up My upfronts are down below. <laughs> That's your book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, okay, a couple of days ago. Now, this is the absolute honest truth. There is not a word of this that is a lie, okay? I was in bed sleeping as one does. I open my eyes. It's still dark. I have no idea what time it is. It's still dark. And my first thought to greet the day was, does the Jeepers Creepers Creepers truck have a license plate? (laughs) 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 And I laid there. I haven't seen the movie since it opened. Shortly, like right around September 11th, I remember that. So last time I saw it, didn't care for it. So I have no idea to answer this question. So I'm laying there and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like trying to picture it. I'm like, does it have a license plate? And then I was like, what if it's a vanity plate that's like JPR, CRPR, <laughs> Jeeper Kerper, Jeeper Kerper. <laughs> I was like, I have to know the answer. So I get up. Look at my phone. It's 5.18 a.m. I'm like, I have to know. I can't sleep not knowing this. <laughs> so I turn on my computer. My eyes explode because <laughs> it was dark. And then I turn on my computer in the Oh, dark. yeah. Then you, then you do the Adina and Abfab blinds opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like Sam Neal and fucking Event Horizon. I was like... <laughs> Where I'm going, I don't need eyes. You're on fire. (laughs) Yeah. Nude. Yeah. So I'm like, I have to know. So I look it up, and it turns out the answer is, yes, it does have a license plate. What's it say? It is also a vanity plate that spells out, be eating you. (laughs) And then I was like... I have to go deeper. And so I looked up some uh, DMV laws. And in, like, every state, you have to have a driver's license to register a car. So you see what I'm saying is that the Jeepers Creepers man. The creeper. Sure. <laughs> went to the DMV. Took a number. <laughs> sat there in his wings sat- in his trench coat. <laughs> sat there. Got his number called. Took a li- his driving test, got a license, and then was like, I want a license plate. 
And he paid the extra money to get the vanity plate. So. And then he had to write it out for them. Yeah, and they were like beating you. No, be eating you. <laughs> do, you, do you think he wore his like Justin Long suit to do it? <laughs> I mean, I don't. Look, even aside from the whole Victor Salva needs to rot in hell forever. Uh, uh, Victor issue. Salva does need to rot in hell forever. Absolutely. Um, even aside from all that, like, let's pretend that somebody else directed it. Like, how can you enjoy a movie where the killer is a monster in, like, a leather duster and a fedora? (laughs) And it's not meant to be, like, funny. Yes. Yeah, even, that's basically his outfit and I Know What You Did Last Summer, right? Except at least he had the cool hook. Well, he had the, it was rain gear for him. Yeah, it was a rain slicker and his little rain hat. But I mean, yeah. it's like, that's not metal by any means. But like, if you're in a fishing town. But this guy. Yeah. Is just a winged beast, man. I, you know, I went to see that. It was, like I said, I remember specifically it was around September 11th. Because if you guys don't know what happened on September 11th, you should look it up. <laughs> that, that was the day Sarah Silverman <laughs> found out how many calories were in a pumpkin spice latte. I yeah. that. Um, you know, I lived in New York. It was not a great time. And shortly thereafter, uh, my girlfriend at the time and some friends, we were like, let's get out of here. Like, let's just get away. And so I said, oh, I have an idea. Let's go to Massachusetts and find the... Uh, insane asylum from session nine. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like that would be a fun trip so we did it we like went there and on the way we stopped for food or something and there was a movie theater and jeepers creepers was playing and at the time you know i didn't know anything about victor salva at the time also 2001 whatever's playing at the theater i'm a horror movie i'm gonna go see it yeah yeah clive barker was on the trailer saying the future of horror which he says every time anything comes right, out yeah, yeah. like it it i remember being super into it i was into justin long right and then uh, and then i saw it and it's like oh here's this this scary band with the truck and he's shoving a body in the way and then it's like wait what mm-hmm what Mm-hmm. What? I started yelling. What? The whole thing. <laughs> Please tell me you were doing exactly that in the theater, yeah. in this little podunk, wherever you were. Yeah. It's like, haven't I suffered enough in these last few weeks? Yeah. You know, I've never seen a single Jeeper Creeper. Um, That's the only one I've seen. I've seen, I saw, I've seen sequences from the first one, but I've never actually sat and watched the whole thing. And the second one, I know all the gays talk about it, but it's just like, I just can't bring myself to watch this dude's movie. Yeah. But now that you tell me that Mr. Creeper goes to the DMV. (laughs) Assumedly in a prequel that is yet to be produced. (laughs) Well, like he set out to better himself. You know, he's like, I need to drive so that. Because my wings can only get me so far, so I, I need mean, to drive. What's the point of having wings if you're going to end up getting a car, first of all? Like, second of all, I don't know, you're a mon. Like, why did he think, like, I need to register my scary truck? <laughs> I need to make sure I'm going about this the right way. <laughs> yeah. So that was my, uh, that was the other morning. So I answered my question and then I was like, well, I guess I'll make some coffee now. 
What was that you were saying last week about being bored? <laughs> why did you why why did you wake up thinking of I that? don't know. I don't what recall. What triggered it? Did That's, you see it like online or something? Nope. No, there was no Jeeper Creeper discussion anywhere. <laughs> I don't recall having a dream about it. I haven't been thinking about it. I haven't seen it mentioned on a list of whatever. Like, it just came unbidden in the night. Wow. Into my brain holes. Wow. Holes. Definite brain holes. Yeah. So. Was it Meg Foster in the third one? Or no, she was going to be, but then they cast Lynn Shea instead or something. I think so. Yeah. Maybe it was Lynn Shay because you saw her in The Grudge and then maybe you had... Oh, maybe. Your brain had the, the you know, your connective neurons. They're all firing, firing, yeah. firing all the time. Yeah. And maybe you Imagine if, if my brain was wired for, like, doing something good for the world. <laughs> I mean, you'd be... You could be a, in Kern working with the Hadron <laughs> Collider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'd instead... In, <laughs> instead, I, uh... Think about that. Uh, yeah, I could be like in a, plate. <laughs> I could be in a parallel universe curing every disease known to man. Yeah. But yeah. Instead, here we are. Oh, yeah, well. you could be working with Dolly Parton on the vaccine right now. Yeah, I could have already taken it. It could. We could all be doing living our lives again. <laughs> but instead, God said, "You know what would be funny." <laughs> <laughs> give this a little twist right here <laughs> let's see what happens when i press this in oh my yeah God. so there you go but that answers uh, a question so yeah <laughs> it's definitely a question not necessarily the question not a question of any importance <laughs> but now we all know so there you go Next time you see it somewhere, because inevitably that movie will be mentioned, you could say, you know what? You can ask your friend. You can be like, do you think there's a license plate on that truck? And they'll be like, what? <laughs> Dazzle them with your knowledge. That's what I say. Have I got a piece of trivia for you? Yeah. Next time you run into a random Russian woman in a bar. <laughs> or a nun. Or a nun in a grocery line. <laughs> instead of dazzling them with a dad joke or... Your rudimentary attempts at speaking Russian. <laughs> just say, you know that movie Jeepers Creepers? <laughs> <laughs> she just walks away. That's what I, I don't know. I do that. I did that to, um, you know, Kelly Who, Lady Deathstrike from the X-Men movies. Uh, hell yeah. She's all like popping those knuckles. Yeah. she. I saw her in a bar when I lived in LA. Oh God. What did you do? <laughs> I was like, this is my moment. And so I said... I said, I really loved you in Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. But I don't understand the backward suspenders that you were wearing. And she said, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. But then we talked about the suspenders. So that was really. Yeah, she was really nice. It sounds like she was actually into the pitch. She was into the pitch. I will wow. say that. So. Wow. Stacey, sometimes it works for you. I have to say Once it. in a while, it works. The rest of the time, it fails miserably. Yeah, not every time, but sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it but works it's worth for you. it, you know. 
But so. you know, that's not a bad... If it, like, you know, two random Russian women and one nun turn you down, <laughs> it, you still have Kelly fucking who in your court. If I can make Kelly who laugh, it's worth a hundred thousand garbage days with my neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Except Sorry. you still have to Kelly Who you see once. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't see Kelly Who every week, <laughs> unfortunately. But. So there you go. I say when you have these opportunities, folks, you should take them. Why not? Who cares? That's if um, nothing else, maybe someday you'll start a podcast and you can tell every embarrassing story about yourself <laughs> and never regret it. Never a single regret. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was hot and tingly. It is. That's some that I I really hope you find a cream for that very soon. <laughs> Thank you. But I can see why. Maybe the parallel universe Stacy can invent the cream. Yeah. <laughs> and hand it over to you through her particle <laughs> transmitter. Yeah. Oh well. So that's honestly been like the most exciting thing that's happened all week. Well, I mean, it's second in excitement to watching Salem's Lot, am I right? Hell yeah! That's this week's film. All 6,000 hours of it. Man. (laughs) It's so long. I love Salem's Lot, but you know what? This shit is fucking long as hell. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was a television miniseries event. I know, I know. And Stacy, the stars in this film, I, I oh was sure you must God. have been losing your mind, even though you're very well acquainted with them. Let me let me tell you, I ran out of cream about halfway through. <laughs> That's why it's extra raw today. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who's in the movie? Keep talking. Bonnie Bedelia, star of Heart Like a Wheel, the Shirley Muldowney story. <laughs> what? That movie was on, like, HBO or something all the time when I was a kid, so. Bonnie Bedelia. She's great. Alicia Cook playing the town drunk. He also played the town drunk in what? A little film called Messiah of Evil. Thank you. Oh, oh my God, that was him. That was him. He plays a great town drunk. Absolutely him. Who else is in this? Fred Ward. Did you know that I played squash with his daughter when I was in college? (laughs) Fred Willard. Sorry, not Fred Ward. Fred Willard. Yeah. Was she really cool like him? Yeah. Man, I have not seen this movie for like maybe 10 years. Um, I completely did not realize that Fred Willard was in this film, let alone like straight acting. <laughs> well, not straight acting, not like the websites, but like straight, like <laughs> in a straight role, Fred Willard. Right. Yes. Not, not your Christopher Guest. Era, yeah. Yeah. Fred Willard. Yeah. Not, not, um, uh, <laughs> just always think of him playing that organ at the funeral in that Nathan show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite thing in the world. (laughs) Um, But not that by any means. And I screamed and I just said, I 
fucking love Fred Willard. I know. I love him in a straight role. I love him in a wacky role. You love him in satin boxers, I bet. I also found myself saying, Fred Willard's a babe? Yeah, <laughs> I love right? him in his satin boxers. I fucking love Fred Willard. He is a, a goddamn legend. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Salem's Lot. Last time I watched it was when Toby Hooper died. Oh. I decided to make Salem's Lot my little in-memoriam viewing. That's a God, good it's, one. It's so good. I love it so much. It's like, you know, when you get out your old Halloween decorations, not like the new ones that you just picked up at Target or whatever, but like the old, you're like your tried and true trusty like paper Halloween decorations Mm. that you've treasured, you know? Your black cat where all the like fake velvet has rubbed off. Yes. And it's patchy and gross and you're like, I should get rid of it, but I love it so much. Yeah. This is the essence of Halloween. This is nostalgia. Like, that's Salem's Lot, right? It's just, it's just so old-timey, good-time, spooky, scary, happy days. Absolutely. That should be the <laughs> the tagline. Yeah, they, they had to fit that all in the TV guide. Yeah, I wish that, like, I, you know, I was old enough to have seen this when it first aired like imagine seeing this as like a two-night television event oh my god would have lost my fucking mind yeah it's i'm it's real good i mean we i still was blown away by um someone's watching me which we recently reviewed uh the john carpenter made for tv film was blown away by the quality of that one and how like scary it could be and and well made and like artful and absolutely same with Salem's Lot, except Salem's Lot is a fucking epic on top of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, slumps a little in the middle for me. Yeah. Closer to the end, little slumpers. But man, it's just the aesthetics. I watch, I watched this on a Blu-ray, which felt bizarre because I've never seen it on Ooh. a Blu-ray before. I could see I could see every pore on the grain, and it was <laughs> incredible. Um, man, is this a gorgeous movie, too. Mm-hmm. Like all those shots, like anytime they're going near the cemetery and there's the the smoke or the the fog going by or the old Marston house, it's just so. Ugh! It just it captures what horror should be. I think. <laughs> Absolutely, the fact that it starts off to me with and the choice to use a purple font for the title, yeah, is so bold. Yeah, you know. And that speaks to the, the purple speaks to the plot of the movie, which is uh, a cautionary tale about faggotry taking over a small New England town. Okay. I was like, is this about gentrification? (laughs) (laughs) Because we all know what happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always, you know, it's a nice little bureau or cove, borough or cove. And then, or, you know, low-income neighborhood. And then what happens? Artists move in. and or gays move in. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, the developers come, the antique stores and the overpriced tchotchke shops happen, and then suddenly you're paying $18 for a burger. You get priced out of your own town, mm-hmm. and you have to strap everything to the roof of your station wagon, including your rake <laughs> and your metal bucket <laughs> before you drive off. Yep. Into the great unknown. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. This movie, I mean, I know we all know it's gay. And I know that you and I say that every movie's gay, but 
Well, it's true. If, if, if this isn't some kind of a metaphor. There's a whole lot of gayness in this. There's a lot of gayness in this movie. I was surprised because upon review, um, it, I was surprised to find even more gayness than where I had expected it. Yes. Slash remembered it. Yes. I saw even more with new eyes and I said, oh, this is, these are choices? Am I once again the perpetual fag reading too much into everything? Of course, yeah. The fag that takes a women's studies class and it's like, you know, this is all about gay longing. <laughs> you know the Bible's gay, right? <laughs> every movie, every movie. Those little leaves they wore in the Garden of Eden? Gay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very interesting when we, you know, Ben Mears, played by David Soul, uh, comes back to Salem's Lot to write his new book about the Marston House. He's obsessed with the Marston House. There's a lot. Uh, one thing I love is like this movie uh, that it does is like there's no justification for the main character like being paranoid or thinking something is evil there's absolutely no justification and yet that's our through line through the movie yeah he's just a little wacky about it he just like keeps showing up at the marston house and staring at mr straker (laughs) who's just like going about his day (laughs) james mason is just staring at him from the porch yeah, Are but we're okay? but in this yeah we're supposed to think that Straker's the evil one. Yeah, yeah. Versus straight man drives in the town, parks in front of the homosexual's house, and trembles in terror for hours. <laughs> yeah, just staring and staring <laughs> and staring as he gets out of his car and goes in the house. He drives by. It's like, why don't you take a picture of this to me? Is <laughs> what happens in that house? Yeah. <laughs> They're fucking their antiques. It's an evil house. It attracts evil men, and I have no proof of it, but I know it's true. It's hell in the cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> but he comes to Salem's lot to work on his new book, and he meets Susan, played by Bonnie Bedelia of Heart Like a Wheel, the Shirley Madowney story. And she is reading one of Ben's old books called Air Dancer, which is oh my like, God. first of all, Air Dancer. Okay. He's a fucking creep in this. I mean, he's a creep in a lot of the movie, but he's a fucking creep in the sequence. <laughs> Just when he's like quizzing her on yeah. her book, on his book, and like, what's it about? And, or, <laughs> and what's yeah. the title? And she's just like, I don't know, man. I'm just drawing this thing for my art class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a real creep through this whole movie, I think. Like, what an unappealing leading man in my opinion uh, he really is and i don't know if it's the hair or the fact that he just looks at dead inside the whole movie but he's he's just there for us to follow <laughs> otherwise he serves right. no purpose yeah yeah um but later she susan tells her mother what the book is about and she says it's about two men and then her mother says not one of those <laughs> yeah, while doing dishes yeah it's <laughs> really great it's like oh okay i see not one of those. Not one of those. And there's just a lot of, like, older bachelor men in the town. You have Mr. Sh- it's just like, honestly, Mr. Straker moves into town. The population of Salem's Law is, like, 2,300 people. Yeah. And I say to myself, I don't know if we have any small town gays that listen to our show. But my heart does cry for the small town gay. Oh, right? I think more than anyone else, that's who my heart goes out to. Yeah, it's hard enough being uh, gay in the city. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I can just imagine being in, in a place like Salem's Lot, where it's, you know... And then Stryker shows up. Faggy Antiques Duo. <laughs> Gonna open their antique shop. Mm-hmm. Which is very exciting for everyone in the town. Did you see that grand <laughs> opening? Everyone was going... The woman in her scrubs, everyone was there. <laughs> yeah, everybody couldn't wait to get in there. Yeah. Not buy anything. But uh, Ben is obsessed with the Marsden house where some bad things have happened, where a, a man was uh, killed his family and then was suspected of stealing little boys and killing the little boys. Oh, yeah! What was yeah. that all about? What was that all about? And then Ben went into the house when he was a, a kid because his aunt worked there and he thought he saw a dead body. Mm-hmm. It's. Do you think... I? Mm, something tells me Stephen King hung out with other kids growing up in a small town in Maine and that there was a house that traumatized them. Yeah. Because I, I feel like so. it's in every single thing he does. Yeah, his his stuff, it's interesting to notice kind of the, the Stephen King tropes when you see enough of it or read enough yeah. of it. Well, I was like, it's like when, you know, we were, we've been talking about Madonna lately off the air and uh, I, it was like me thinking about her music. I love Madonna, but like thinking about her music and how it's like, it's kind of, there's like some Taco Bell components where it's like Taco Bell is the same, the same five ingredients arranged in different ways. For each right. item. And Madonna just says, like, sometimes she says, get in the groove. Sometimes she says, just dance. <laughs> but it's yeah, always yeah. the same song. They're amazing. Yeah. He, and I, yeah. It's, I'm beginning to see Stephen King's Taco Bell here. With this childhood home. I mean, that's, that's in it as well. And in all the others. And it's just, hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, they even mention it in the movie. That, like, every town has the haunted house. You know? Yeah. And I think that's true. Like, most people, uh, you know, have the sort of growing up in certain eras it kind of changes but like a lot of kids from like the 80s oh yeah you know you grew up and there was the satanic church was somewhere in oh the yes there always is you know like that sort of thing the witch but I, house the witch the, house yeah. mm-hmm. the murder house all that kind of thing um but i think the big stephen king trope that really stuck out with this movie for me as much as i love this movie is i'm like he's not he always uh, Stephen King's women. Yeah. Right? Of which there are three in this movie. <laughs> three in this entire fucking three-hour saga yeah. of an entire town. And it's like he really, a big trope in his work is like the abused woman. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, even when she's the protagonist, she still has to be abused in some way. It's like you think about Bev in It. You think about Wendy Torrance. Mm-hmm. Like, every woman has the shitty husband. And it's like, we're supposed to be on the woman's side, of course. Like, the drunk husband who knocks her around or yeah. whatever. But it's like, can you write another kind of woman, please, sir? Yes! And that's the thing, is, by all account, I mean, Susan, honestly, Susan gets the shit into the stick in this film. She doesn't get to do anything. Right. Um, she's not. She's not even like Mina Hart because this is just Dracula, but in mm-hmm. Dracula is gay and opens an antique shop. It, <laughs> but um, but she doesn't even get to be like Mina. She doesn't get like the sweeping romance or like the. She doesn't get to help them solve it by telling them where the vampire is through her psychic connection. Mm-hmm. She's just like, okay, stay home, put up garlic. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't do anything. But then, but besides, like, I guess, like, there's there's so much to admire in a lot of the women that he writes. Mm-hmm. Like, Wendy's fucking cool. She's a right. survivor and she's lit. She blows up the fucking hotel. Like, she's great. Um, yeah. Uh... But Dolores Claiborne, you know, she's a fucking amazing woman. But then, yeah, there's always that component. Yeah, women, I think, should be allowed to be amazing without having to overcome abuse. Yeah, why do they always have to overcome something? They always have to overcome. And and it's, like, almost always that. Even something like Gerald's Game, you know? Like, what a harrowing story that's really terrific in a lot of ways. But it's, like... It's all a metaphor yeah. for that. Right. Um, and then that's what she devotes her whole life to in the end. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. for me, this sticks out. I'm glad you bring this up because for me, this brings to light um, my absolute favorite character in the film and performance. And my biggest what the fuck. Julia motherfucking Cobb as Bonnie motherfucking Sawyer. Boom, boom, Bonnie. A queen amongst... <laughs> mere court jesters i fucking love bonnie i love how she just like she's fucking fresh she works with fred willard the real estate guy she's his assistant um they're like they don't have a weird like they're having an office affair but it's not like gross between them like they're cute Mm-hmm. And, like, they really like each other. And, like, she'll call him honey. And he's like, don't do that. And she's like, oh, it's fine. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> and then she goes home and she's, like, totally personable to her husband who just sits there and gets drunk and then won't fuck her. Mm-hmm. But she's, like, oh, really? She doesn't let her get her down for some reason. She's mm-hmm. never concerned about her affair. She just never is, like, nervous about anything. She's just, yeah. Bonnie is always there having a good time. And then Awful things happen to her. And then once that door shuts and her husband mm-hmm. goes off to uh, do horrible things to her, we never see her hear from her ever again. Yeah, they drive out, they leave town and that's the end of it. And you just say, okay, she's just going to go be miserable somewhere, I guess. After black guy. After being like the B or C story for the first hour of the film. Yeah. Then she just vanishes and they say, goodbye, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Willard, sweet, sweet angel in satin boxers, Fred Willard, you know, he gets uh, taken by Barlow, but Bonnie just vanishes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why does this woman, I don't, I just want Bonnie to cheat on her husband and have a great time and then be turned into a vampire and be like, look at my hair! But like, <laughs> like if that's, right. the, if she has to die, but like Bonnie just gets abused and then written out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I fucking love Bonnie. That's all. Justice for Bonnie. That's what I have to Justice say. Justice for Bonnie. Absol- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She just disappears. And until that point, she's empirically the star of the film. Anyway. <laughs> I love her little satin outfit for a fair oh, night. Yes. Yeah, a fair night. That's what she wrote on her calendar that was on view in her home in public. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, Susan really, like you said, gets the short end of the stick. Yeah, which is really sad as the main character. (laughs) Right? (laughs) She refers to herself as a modern, aggressive female who's partially liberated. Yeah, she's a teacher. She's a teacher. She's lived in New York for a period of time until she lost her job and then moved back home. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need Ben Mears. No. You know, and then she just like shows up, goes out. She gets to go on dates with him. 
And then she has a job interview in Boston. And then she comes back and Ben's like, do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. (laughs) And then she goes into the Marston house, disappears. Ben burns down the house. And it's like, I'm so sorry, Susan. And it's like, you didn't even fucking look for her, first of all. No. And then she comes back at the end as a hot vampire. Yeah, who can't open her eyes. I said to myself, would I let her bite me? I think you would. I think I would. <laughs> She's got bitchin' fingernails. She's got, she has a total, like, black nail polish manicure going on. Oh, yeah. She put on the, the negligee. <laughs> she looks great. I was like, you know what? She could bite me. I'd be like, all right, Susan. I, go for it. In terms of, like, thrilling vampire seductions, I do have to say laying on a bed with your eyes closed going, <laughs> is definitely the best seduction scene I've seen. Yeah. But, well, she didn't want to give it away right up front that her eyes were... Man, the glowing, glowing... peepers. The eyes in Salem's Lot rule my world. It's always so cool every time. When, I love it. It's so... as a So, I loved... Salem's little book. I mean, you know, I don't think I've read a Stephen King thing since in like 10 years or something, but um, if not even longer. But when I was a teenager, you know, you're all about Stephen King. You go to Goodwill, mm-hmm. you find your hardcovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, your first apartment, you put them on like a mantle or in the top of the bookcase <laughs> and you're like, look at how red I am. <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I was obsessed with Salem's Law. It was my favorite Stephen King book. Fucking loved it. Uh, and then I saw the movie, and I was like, "Well, okay, the movie's cool. I like it, but I wasn't. I wasn't like it wasn't as um, Anne Rice or Queen of the Damned as I would want as a teenage Anthony because I'm a horrible person." And Where's so, the ruffles? I know, no, right? And I'm like, these vampires don't have like goth eye makeup or like cool fangs that retract or whatever. You know, I don't know. And so yeah. I was like, these vampires are like more beastly than the vampires I want. But yeah. but now, you know, cultured, she's been around the planet a couple times, Anthony. Mm. This comes to this and it's like, oh, give me those big ass fangs hanging out over their their tongue. Give me give me those fucking glowing gross eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marjorie Glick in the morgue. Oh, that's my favorite sequence in the film, I think. Like as much as I love Mr. Barlow, it's give me that Marjorie Glick sequence. Man, I those, love it. Those are the three oh, also when um uh 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 gay little mark is is <laughs> when they're staking barlow spoiler alert spoiler everyone um <laughs> when they're staking barlow and gay little mark is by that that door the trap door and then you see yeah. you see um jeffrey lewis who i did not know was juliet lewis's dad um and then you see the other uh, the other guy, and they're coming up behind him. Like, there's so many great vampire moments that are so fucking cool. But I yeah. have to say, yeah, Marjorie Glick, Mr. Barlow, just any moment, but especially when he's in the coffin, he does that little wake up. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Ralphie at the window. Oh, yeah. Man, th- yeah, this movie is full of iconic shots. I think the Marjorie Glick works for me, and I hate to say it. I hate to give him credit. But David Soul is really fantastic in that sequence. Yeah. Like, 
he's fucking terrified and we don't get to see that from horror movie characters usually in such a protracted way yeah and we really don't get to see it from male characters no no they're still he is like he's like shaking with fear it's like bill bill yes. <laughs> it's like it's just so good and she slowly comes to life mm-hmm. oh man that yeah, and she's it. like, she's still like, she's kind of out. Like, you get to know, like, it, it's a little sad because the vampires mm-hmm. are, um, you assume that the vampires just go for their loved ones because they know it's an easy bite, right? But, mm-hmm. but it's like she wakes up and she's just, at, like, she's talking to her kid like he's there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not necessarily like that she's just putting that on just because she wants to get to her kid. The kid isn't even there. So she, mm-hmm. it's just an instinctual, like, longing and love and sadness that gets yeah. twisted by the vampirism. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's happening. She's having that moment. Also, her hair is fucking lit. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's just blown out everywhere. <laughs> and then, yeah, him, I think what also really impressed me with that was Bill steps out. It's just David Soul, Ben Mears, and that that he is calling for Bill because like people never yeah. ask for help. They never in yeah. in horror movies. There's always somebody in the other room, but they never nobody ever calls for another person. Yeah, and that he's like, get in here, <laughs> like he's yeah. freaking out, and she's in her nightgown and her hair. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's good shit. It's so good. It's amazing to me because Mr. Barlow, that face is so iconic. Yeah. And then you watch Salem's Lot and you're like, there's like three scenes with him in it. In a three hour movie. And some of this, like one, the when his introduction, when he comes after Ned Tibbetts in the jail cell, it's like, it's a five second shot. Mm-hmm. And it's so impactful, this motherfucker. Man, even you track all those moments and they burn themselves into your brain because it's the coolest thing. And it's like, you only get little tastes. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, Fred Willard walking outside and ugh, every, I think it happens with Danny. It happens with Fred Willard. Anytime you get, um, someone's walking around, usually by the graveyard, usually in the fog. And then somebody jumps out and then the mm-hmm. camera, it's pause, it, the frame goes still. And then it zooms in and you get the grain as it zooms in on their terrified <laughs> yeah. faces. But when Fred, it happens to Fred Willard and you see the cool claw, the blue claw hand Barlow. Yeah. Ugh, it's just so fucking rad. It's Yeah. It's... And the kitchen scene at the Petrie house is just like... Yeah. I've never seen anything like that, where he comes crashing through the window and he's just the black cape on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then he rises up and, like, fills the whole room. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so bitchin'. Mr. Barlow, obviously, based on... Um, Nosferatu on Max Schreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, you know, also based on the acclaimed Nosferatu clan from Vampire the Masquerade. Um, <laughs> but but uh, it's so funny because in the book, to be that girl, in the book, you know, Barlow's much more of like a Dracula type. Yeah. Like he's like a, a well-spoken, um, aristocratic, uh, European man. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's... It, it, I, I think that's another thing as a kid I didn't get because I'm like, well, why is the vampire like a little <laughs> Nosferatu? <laughs> Cuckoo. Cuckoo Gaga, why is he a scary goblin? <laughs> it's more scary if he's fancy and has leather cuffs. But like, like I don't understand. I, I didn't understand it then, but now it's almost more distressing that like James Mason is this refined, as Straker is like this refined well put together worldly antique stealer fag right mhm 
and he's bringing in his business partner but it's just like i don't know this it's almost it felt weirdly political to me that it's like we can amp we can hype up these these idols of ours but really they're just these vile things mm-hmm. and, and there's no element of class to it it's he's a, just a fucking animal beast that right that has a name but he doesn't even need to have a name mr barlow like he's just a fucking goblin man yeah um and there's something so much more creepy about that, I think, today, for me today, than if he was, like, some refined dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was uh, a college lass, <laughs> I took a class that was, uh, it was called, like, the Gothic and Grotesque in German Film and Literature or something. And I was like, this is why I'm $100,000 in debt. Yes! Hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> but one entire day was spent discuss like debating and discussing like whether the sort of nosferatu vampire is more terrifying than the you know frank langella yeah vampire like the one that can seduce you and sort of ingratiate himself into your life because you think he's just a handsome fellow like is that ultimately more terrifying than the one who's gonna repulse you Mm-hmm. on the surface and i'm like give me the monsters yeah yeah i used to be i used to be the other way but i think it's too it's too easy of an allegory and it takes away our for for us to to be like oh the vampire well of course i had to go with the vampire and and let him eat me bite me yeah i'd be like go for it susan yeah yeah did you see her she's fucking hot like right yeah and and it it almost kind of takes away it's like a trick right it kind of takes away our agency i guess where it's like okay we've been seduced by this thing and anyone would make that choice but when you have to when you consciously even though i mean these they get hypnotized don't look at barlow's eyes that's why their eyes are glowing um but but there's something almost more uh, like an underlying symbolism of like the being complicit and being allowing yourself to be seduced by like just this disgusting repellent thing mm-hmm. there's something darker there uh yeah that yeah. i think it, it just feels very trumpian to me where it's like there's nothing seductive about trump but i but he has a whole cult around him Right. Like, I mean, un- like, Keith Raniere was fucking disgusting, but at least he was pretending to play chopsticks. And people are like, oh, I like piano. <laughs> piano is soothing and cultured. Right. But there's nothing about that with Trump. But I was like, so what is the appeal? It's so vile that people just go along with this disgustingness. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's very Barlow to me and very, uh, it's we- just weirdly human that we convince ourselves to go along with absolutely awful things that don't pretend to be anything but (laughs) right i mean opening your window to one or the other is two very different decisions yeah 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 you know yeah so Mm -hmm. i love mr barlow i love mr barlow god he's cool he's blue i like that (laughs) yeah i do like that all the vampires have that blue tinge because it's very like they're undead you know Mm -hmm. i like that Mm -hmm. i like that they you know there's they don't just come back with bigger hair. I know how you feel about the Friday Night Hair. <laughs> I know how you feel about the Friday Night Hair. I like that it speaks to the fact that they are undead. You know, or like when Marjorie Glick comes back and Bill cuts her with the scalpel. Yeah. On the arm. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, 
all dry rot kind of yeah she, it's that. like green she's got like yeah. green inside which i guess would be like what embalming fluid or something yeah but yeah she's just it, it's they're toxic these things mm-hmm. glowing eyes those fucking fangs yeah green insides it's it's wicked <laughs> yeah it's so good i love i'm straker is that kind of character that I love in the movies where you say, is this person just wealthy or is they a fag? <laughs> you know, like, like, uh, like Richard in Creepshow in the Father's Day section, oh, you know, Richard. or the cousin in Rebecca, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's like, it's like being here in New England and you say, is this just a mom with a no nonsense haircut or is you a big dyke? <laughs> You can't tell sometimes, you know. I'm curious with Straker uh, because he lives, a, he's always in his nice black suit, except when he switches to gray. Why he doesn't clean the Marston house? Thank you! Does he <laughs> yeah. sleep on duty? <laughs> I'm like, he, when they go in the house, it's like, it's cool because the house is like moldy and rotten. And it's very like Toby Hooper- playing homage to himself with all the taxidermied animals. It's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. You know, when they come in. Uh, but I'm just like, Straker lives in this? Yeah. Like, he doesn't have one room that he's cleaned up? <laughs> you would think at the very least he would have the room that isn't covered in chicken feathers and bird shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? How does he keep his suit clean? That's what I'm so curious about. Which, I guess it's just supposed to be, like, more spooky, right? Right. Yeah. But realistically, what the same part of my brain because I think we have similar neurons sometimes. The same part of sure. my brain that is that also like you is like why is the creeper going to the DMV is also wondering why <laughs> the hell is James Mason who is not going he's not going to um barter with anybody over his antiques. It's a very fair price. <laughs> but then yeah. he goes home and he takes off his suit and he sleeps on fucking duty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wrote it. I wrote it down. I said Straker lives there. Yeah. On does he have a sleeping bag? Does he just sleep on the floor? Yeah. There must be one room that we haven't seen that he's just kept off limits and it's all fixed up and he's got his bullshit antiques in there and it's all clean. Maybe, there has to be. Maybe. But does he just? Does he just sleep standing up in that room? They open the door and he's just in that room, in that te- that other very Texas Chainsaw <laughs> sequence where the door opens, he's right there, and then he comes down the hallway and then just takes her and... Yeah. Bill. He takes Bill, yeah. Puts him on the antler. Yeah, puts him on the antler, just antlers. like Leatherface with the hook. Mm-hmm. Very Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Which I love, so... Great movies. That's good shit. It's great Tony movies. Hooper, man, gone too soon. Underrated. Really good. Yeah. When he was on, he was on, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this is, this shit's fucking lit. (laughs) So good. I mean, once again, that middle slog kind of got me. There's some stuff that could be cut. But when you're filling that much time on network television. Yeah, when you figure this was two nights, you know? Yeah. So, it must have, it's split, I'm sure, when Straker puts the opening soon. Wind sign in the window. I think that was the split between the nights. Oh, oh, right. Everybody's you got to get ready for day two event TV, the grand opening of the antique shop run by the evil gays. Yeah. <laughs> um, a few things I would like to point out 
<laughs> if you don't mind. Marjorie Glick's uh, pinwheel backyard. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but I will add it to the list. Thank you. She loves a pinwheel. Uh, I love that in the Petri Kitchen, we see that good old 70s uh, decor, which are the copper molds hanging on the wall. Yes. For, like, your jello salad ring. Yes. And everybody just, like, decorated with them at the time. Man, if you're not decorating with the tools you use to craft an aspic, then what are you doing with your interior design? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would also like to point out that when we finally, they open the door to the root cellar, and, oh, this is Mr. Barlow's lair. I love the fact that his coffin looks like a cake. (laughs) It does. It looks like it's covered in, like, piping, like frosting piping. I love it. (laughs) Uh, And finally, this movie has one of my favorite tropes. Now, look, you have the microfiche sequence in films which is always like pertaining to one particular incident it's like i think my house is haunted 70 people were murdered there (laughs) get me to the microfiche and so then they find the old newspaper report about the murder case you know yeah it's always one specific thing but what they do in salem's lot is my other favorite research trope which is uh researching a phenomenon via books So, like, when the teacher wants to learn about vampires, he pulls all of his supernatural books off the shelf, and it's like, what are you going to find in Frankenstein? (laughs) But it was there in the pile. You know, and then he's reading his book about vampire legends or something, and I just so desperately in real life, like, want to be in a situation. Like, they did it even in Pulse. When she, when uh, Haraway went to the library and looked at the, she looked for the books on ghosts. Like, I just... Ultimately, I know that, you know, having a Mr. Barlow in town is bad news, but do I want to be in the situation where I have to be like, where's my book on, you know, the <laughs> Quetzalcoatl or whatever, and I have to, like, pull down all my Aztec legend books yeah, and, and be find like, the exact The Feathered thing. Serpent, Chapter 3. <laughs> yeah. Yes, man. So, I appreciate Mem- it. Like, sequence. it's just those, like, in um, Race with the Devil, when, when our queens yes. go to the library and they get the book on Satan and they steal it. It's just, like, yes. you have to go get the book. You need the books. It's so cool. So, it's so cool. I love it. I love that. I love, I love this movie. I would also like to point out Susan's um, sweet gold <laughs> Pontiac. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> that Pont- she didn't get to do much, but at least they gave her a really cool car that looked great. Yeah. Um, she is a partially liberated woman. She is partially liberated. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we were aiming for back in the... <laughs> yeah, that's the best a woman can do. <laughs> I, so, okay. So we have the gayness with... Obviously, the evil, gentrifying, antique dealer couple. But also everybody else, right? Every every man slash male character slash even the boys. Like, I never realized. In the book, I was really confused revisiting this depiction of Mark Petrie. Because in the book, I remember Mark just being like the weirdo horror kid who makes the horror models. Right. And has the horror, like, you know, would have the EC comics, like, 
is that. Like the kid in Creep Show in the wraparound. That's the kid. Yes. And the your Corey Feldman in Friday the thirteenth. Absolutely. I feel like that might be I guess I mean maybe I need to revisit the text, even though it's eight thousand pages. But like I feel like that might be a little bit closer. Whereas this mark is so prim and proper and extroverted and writes mm-hmm. his like school pageant. His theatrical <laughs> His parents will come up to his room, which is like a Dark Shadows boudoir, <laughs> and full of antiques. Yeah. They come up to his room and they're like, how are you doing, Mark? Did you do your homework? And he's like, oh, don't worry, father. I've <laughs> done it long ago. And But then his dad will ask, like, I always wondered why you were invested in monsters and magic. And he says, well, I, I always have been. I can't explain it. And I'm like, is he talking about being gay? Is this like it feels like a big metaphor for gayness, right? Yeah, and it then he really does ha- ta- haunted by his friend coming to his window at night. Even the two, I get that they're young and brothers, whatever. But even Danny and Ralphie Glick, mm-hmm. like Danny is fucking Lucy Westenraw. Yeah, in this, like at the at the window, uh, constantly opening up the balcony door to let in <laughs> Dracula, mm-hmm. but it's his little brother. It's just so fucking weird. Yeah, the Mark story, especially given like it just felt like okay, so it, it felt like the gayness was simply unsaid. Yes, and even the characters, it felt like even the characters in the film knew that all of this shit was a metaphor for their son being gay. Like, the father continuously talking to him, like, when are you going to outgrow this? Yeah. Wh- like, being un- <laughs> unable to relate to him. They have the priest over to talk about his obsession with horror stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and just the, the Glick family, when they they make a point of it that, uh, I think it was Ralphie, and they're like, he's a normal athletic boy. <laughs> like after he's gone missing, uh-huh. you know, or he gets sick, you know, uh-huh. it just, it really felt like, yeah, you're worried your little faggy kid is up in his room all the time and you don't know, like the dad doesn't know what to say to him because, you know, you can only, if your child is a boy or a girl, you can only talk to them about certain things, mm-hmm. you know? So how many, how many fathers are disappointed when their wife pops out a girl because, you know, well, a girl can't throw a baseball. <laughs> Let's be real. Let's be real. So it just, it really, yeah, it really hit home. I I didn't notice his accent, his his weird foppish accent too much until he was with Susan in the Marston house, I think. Yeah. And she's like, you have to leave. And he says, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Susan, I can't. Susan, please, I can't. <laughs> oh, no, daddy. I don't know why I'm just an, I've always been... Daddy, I've taken off the handcuffs. Would you like to tie me up, Daddy? It's <laughs> like, oh what is yeah. that? Yeah, but he tells his dad if he'd like to tie him up, and he gets really excited. Yeah, and his dad's like, not No, I have Thanks. to, I, I have to, Marjorie needed help um, moving yeah. pinwheels around. <laughs> It's <laughs> just like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, this movie is really like, you know, the faggotry takes over the town and the, the virile sort of straight man has to flee. <laughs> he has to go to Guatemala. <laughs> he has to go all the way to Mexico, you know. <laughs> and become tan mom. Right. <laughs> 
You could tell years had passed because Mark was parting his hair differently. Yes, yes, and and Ben had so. a little bit of stubble, and, yeah. and they were both profoundly like, tan and filthy. Yes. Like, they don't have they don't even have time to stop to wash their faces. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. In this, on the run from the vampires. And it is oh. on the run, right? There has not been a vampire apocalypse as much as they're just on the... The vampires are targeting them, like they, they right. say. Right, which, who knows why. But they have their special holy water vampire detector. <laughs> it's cool, it glows! No, it's fine. It's so cool. And then, the last shot of the film, where the moon turns into a skull. Oh! Say, oh, gr- oh, great, now I have to be afraid of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> The moon will turn me gay now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no refuge anywhere from the scourge of antique dealers. You know, once those kids try antiques, yeah, you know. there's no going back. I'd, well, when Straker comes under suspicion from the cops and he's like, oh, I understand. I'm a stranger and a little odd. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. <laughs> I'm a little light in the loafers. (laughs) Salem's lot. Also, I sleep on shit. (laughs) As I always say. I sleep on a pile of rat pellets (laughs) and feathers. (laughs) Would you like to come over and see my taxidermied bobcat collection? Yeah, yeah, there's this nice taxidermy station kept up. (laughs) Nothing else. Oh, I love Salem's Lot. That's uh, the gay agenda in a nutshell, right there. Yeah, absolutely. Salem's Lot's real good. It's so good. Wow. Phew. I feel like I feel like Mr. Barlow his face melted off. <laughs> and then at the end, like when they show the skull, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, and yeah." He's just a little skull smile. <laughs> yeah. He's just smiling at you. Ah, I love good it. Good movie. I love it. Great, great actors, except for the main lead, David Soul. <laughs> God bless yeah. Fred Willard and Julia Cobb and Bonnie Bedelia. Also, shout out to I didn't get her name, but the the uh, old alcoholic landlady. Ah, oh, running the, the boarding house, B and B lady. Yeah, it was a boarding house, no B and B. Well, as close to a B and B as you'll get in Salem's Lot. This is true. I loved her. Yeah, I loved her. her. I loved her little tragic backstory. She used to be a looker, you know. Mm-hmm. And now she like, waits till her clientele goes away and then goes through their things. <laughs> I love it. She's cool. Well, cool. Stacy, um, it looks like our holy water is glowing. Uh-oh. It can only mean one thing. Are you ready to place your head on the chopping block? I'm ready. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, today's installation of the chopping block. I have one new category. I thought to myself, if I don't start thinking of new categories, my brain's going to atrophy. <laughs> Unuse. I as well have one new category. Excellent. Excellent. I'm into it. Uh, you know, the chopping block. I've heard so, of it. Yeah. How does it, what is it? Well, it is a game. 
Um, not yet a board game, but we're working on it. In which <laughs> Stacy and I uh, ask each other questions. We have three categories that we are presented with to choose from. We choose our category, and then we are asked five questions. We have ten seconds to answer each question, unless we call out I Want the Wig, in which um, Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film Halloween 2 descends from the heavens as if thrown <laughs> out of a lake by the Lady of the Lake, which we put on our head, it confuses the heads they are non-binary executioner who just stands by and makes our holy water glow, and that is a euphemism. Um, <laughs> and then we gain an additional 10 seconds, equaling 20 seconds to answer that question. We can only use it once. Uh, if we get What happens it, if we get it wrong? If we get anything wrong, we die, that's it, you're done, over. Chopping block wow. is over. It's never happening again, and you're dead. And when you're dead, that's it. Man. These are high stakes. <laughs> yeah, is yeah. what you're it's, saying. It's wow. amazing. We've played this game so many times, and yeah, yeah, yep, we're still here. So we're still here, despite the amount of times we've died. Wow. Well, good job explaining. That was very uh, to the point. Well, yay. That's very unlike me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who went first last time? You always ask, and I never know. <laughs> That's the joy of us. <laughs> yeah. It's once we, once I press stop on the record button, everything we say floats out of my mind. Honestly, it's yeah. gone. And it's I don't gone. know about you. I will get, I keep getting, I love this. I love when people message us and they tell us like their favorite part of the episode. Mm-hmm. But I'll be like, I never know what they're talking no, about. No, and I'm like, what? talking like yeah or people will be like you know what what's it what's this thing that you mentioned and i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about yeah so i don't know uh uh you can uh answer first there i made a decision (laughs) thank you um uh, well hit me what categories do i got okay you've got three of them and the first one is man's best friend question mark (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is about horror movie dogs oh. maybe you tell me the dog maybe you tell me the movie i don't know you'll have to find out category two if we took a holiday it would be so nice or would it <laughs> this is about horror movies the titles of which are based on holidays yeah. you tell me the title of the film okay and category three implements of terror I tell you the implement of terror. You tell me the film in which someone used said implement to kill someone else. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Man's best friend. (laughs) If we took a holiday, it would be so nice. Or would it? And implements of terror. You know what? In honor of uh, my queen, whose poster I'm looking at right now in my redone studio, I would love to um, take a holiday. All right, okay. So you tell me the name of the movie that I describe. The movie will be uh, named after a holiday. Okay. But maybe the name won't be a holiday. Do you know what I mean? These Uh are all holiday based movies. Okay, you get it. She'll say Christmas, and I'll say Black Christmas. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Wow, you already got the first one right. What a challenge. Okay, here we go. Okay. Question uh, one. You'll get these, I bet. Do you think? Okay. 
Muffy St. John, Buffy St. John, and Amy Steele rule my world in this underrated slasher movie. Man, I am going to tell you right now on the record, I am holding up for our next live show. April Fool's Day. Dang, 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 you got it. All right, question two. Roses are red, violets are blue. I know what slasher movie I'm thinking of. Do you? (laughs) Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, (laughs) My bloody Valentine for 400? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. All right. Question three. Wait, what if it was Valentine? Right, but it wasn't. Okay, good. I guess it could have been. But no, because he kills Mabel with the, he has the roses, he gives her the little poem in the heart and then the box of the heart and then she's in the dryer. It's a motif and then she's, she's been laundered. Yeah. So that specifically is why I was thinking my bloody Valentine, you see. God bless Mabel. Well, Mabel. Madam Mabel. Madam Mabel and her committee. (laughs) Decorating (laughs) committee. And her laundry. Okay. Question three. A punk rock L.A. DJ called Blaze by her fans is terrorized by a telephoning wackadoo in this 1980 slasher film. Oh, oh, uh, 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 New Year's Evil. Yes. Ding, oh, ding. oh, oh, my brain went completely blank. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, All right. oh, my God. Question four. I've got the heart tremors now. Here we go. This is where it gets serious business. <laughs> Question four. This 1980 killer dressed as Santa Claus slasher flick was directed by Last House on the Left's David Hess. 1980. Um, uh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. No! <laughs> no! Answered too quickly. I fooled you. It's not that Santa Claus killer. This movie is called To All a Good Night. Oh, I haven't seen that. There you go. Good job. You stumped me. Stumped you. I knew that would be a tricky one. Silent Night, Deadly Night was later, too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Was it 83 or, no, 82? Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I, I, my next thought would have been Christmas Evil, but I did it. Oh. Good job. That's why I said David Hess. Good job. You got me. Gotcha. Good job. Fooled you. I'm dead. You are now headless. I'm dead and I'm speaking from a basket. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Wow. Mm -hmm. Good job. Good job. Good job you. You almost made it. I like that. I did, but then I did not. But you died. Well, I guess. Can you... Place that high-powered perception <laughs> on the platform. That's what I call it. <laughs> My high-powered perception. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Are you pointing your high-powered perception at me? Are you just happy yes, to I am, me? Kelly. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about those suspenders. <laughs> what? What Westworld have I just wandered into? I don't know, but it needs to be taken offline. (laughs) The park's malfunctioning. 
Okay, you ready for your three categories? Yes. All right, Stacey, we have yes. two retreads um, left over <laughs> from Black Friday or Gaylord's <laughs> Wednesday. And, and then we have a new one. So your two old ones, we have Whatever You Do, Don't Stop Filming. It's all oh. about found footage movies because I love me some found footage movies. Um, your next category is hashtag not my killer, all about those imposter killers in Ugh. franchise films. And your new category is in honor of today's viewing, alcoholic male writers in Maine. And this oh. is not specifically about alcoholic male writers in Maine. It is about Stephen King films. I see. Okay. Yes. So once again, your categories are whatever you do, don't stop filming, hashtag not my killer, or alcoholic male writers in Maine. Well, I gotta go with the tie-in category, right? Gotta go with the reason for the season. I don't feel confident, but we'll see what happens. Oh, just... You know, move your Jeepers Creepers license plate and put up a nose for A2 license plate and you'll be all ready to go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to concentrate. Put on your thinking cap. Put on my thinking suspenders. Remember your old hardbacks you kept on your mantle in your old apartment. I did. Well, like, you know, this is a 13th edition Tommyknockers. So. <laughs> <laughs> literally would like look at that and be like oh this is good i have this to get this i'm gonna get yeah, this i have to get this <laughs> yeah okay oh, they take up so much space too they're huge yeah oh, you know who's in isn't uh tommy knockers is that mark helgenberger <laughs> anyway i'm ready to leave <laughs> i'm glad you're ready because i'm leaving okay question okay. one <clears throat> you ready for this ready question one Stephen King's first novel was Carrie, which was absolutely not written by his wife, Tabitha, regardless of what I think. <laughs> How many film adaptations and sequels are there in the oh, Carrie? fuck off! In the Carrie franchise. Fuck off! All right, we have Carrie. We have Carrie to the Rage. We have Carrie the Chloe Grace Moritz. Three? You! Oh, the musical! No. What? God damn it! I hate this! No! What am I missing? Carrie, Carrie, too. Oh, Angela fucking better! It's Angela better! Angela better! The C is for compelling. That's right. I love it. That compelling actress. (laughs) That compelling actress. Damn it. I got too excited. I had to make a split second decision. Do I call for the wig? Or do I just say it? Angela Bettis. I love it. You asked your answer. showing Kelly who's never gonna call me. <laughs> no, she just <laughs> took your name out of the address book. 
She took it right out of her Blackberry. Oh, my God. Uh, I Granted, that was a good point that you did bring up the musical. However, of course, that does not count because I said film adaptations. Oh, did you? I said film. <laughs> No, no, I must take my It goes against the rules. I must gather my head. Wow. Man, you were all in until Angela Bettis. Angela Bettis. You know, I've never actually seen that one. I've always wanted to. Yeah. Because it's um, motherfucking Patricia Clarkson is Mrs. Mm -hmm. White. Which, like, here's the thing. I... I mean, I think we've talked about it on the show even. I've never seen the Chloe Grace Moritz one. I don't no. think anyone could be more miscast as that character. No. Even- she, she, look, I'm just going to say it. She's miscast as every character she's cast as. Like, I don't know what she's... Until she was like, well, after she was like 14, yes. Yes. I think, she- to me, my favorite thing, my favorite performance of hers is 30 Rock. Absolutely! I loved her, and I loved her as Hit Girl in Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. But honestly, once she, like, became an older teenager and then it became an actor-actor, I'm just, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I just don't know wh- where she fits, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll have some great role someday that she really knocks out of the park. I hope so, but... That would be nice. But Carrie! I mean, and this is not even, not even complaining about her as an actor or her skill set, but, like, she's just... She's so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Carrie is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like, Sissy Spacek is beautiful, but she was able to convey that weirdness. Yes. And Angela Bettis, I could absolutely see doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Although it also must be said, all of these actors we're talking about are traditionally thin people. Which yes, yeah, also... which the character, like, wasn't, right? Yeah, can we see a Carrie that's actually her size? Mm-hmm. Um even even uh, with that movie, which I still do, there is a part of me that is interested in seeing the Carrie remake or that one, but um, I, I think it's just curiosity. But even like Julianne Moore as Mrs. White, I just no, can't. I, and I love Julianne Moore is one of my top 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 actors. Yeah, but I just can't see that at Doesn't all. Work for me. No. no, Patricia Clarkson though. Patricia Clarkson. I mean, who who goes colder better than Patricia yeah. Clarkson? Oh, I love her. She's perfect. Yeah. Plus, I just think of Greta and High Art with her her blinky eye, her eyes stuck shut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was disappointing. Well, I mean, you shook the bed just a little. Yeah, but, I told but, you my brain is starting to atrophy. So. Well, not when it comes to matters of license plates and obscure <laughs> movies you saw once 20 years ago. That's true. That's true. Oh, well. Oh. Another week. Another uh, head get, get cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Gaylordsanddarkness.com. We'll be back next one. Say goodbye. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? 
it's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more.